You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red and Nottingham Forest are four points clear of the relegation zone after their 1-1 draw at Bournemouth made it four Premier League games without defeat. They also have the small matter of a Carabao Cup semi-final first leg against Manchester United to look forward to on Wednesday. So joining me to discuss all that first of all is Reds fan Michael Temple. Temps, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Matt. Looking forward to Wednesday. And I think that was a good point of the weekend. Yes, we shall discuss uh, that game in depth. Second guest today is David Prutton. I say, how are you? I know you're terrible. Why, why, is, why are you laughing? That's never good, introducing someone and laughing at the same time. Because <laughs> I always say, how are you? But I know the answer is you're genuinely feeling like hell. I'm a bit under the weather, but I'm not going to make a meal of it. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. Fletch, hello, Fletch. How are you? Let's move this swiftly hello, on. How are you? <laughs> a bit warmer than last time. We were together, but it wouldn't look that way. Bear in mind, that's where this has come from. I'm blaming you, Matt. This is exactly where it's come from. I might actually actually borrow a cluffy phrase here because he used to say, didn't he, when he felt a bit under the weather and a bit rough, he used to sit next to John Robertson because when he sat next to him, he looked like Errol Flynn. If I was there first today, I'd do exactly that look because he looks a little bit downtrodden, doesn't he, at the minute? Well, it's good for you. Uh, good to have you with us, all of you, especially Prots for getting off his sick bed. Very much appreciated. Temps, you mentioned it was a good point. Come to you first. Um, just general thoughts on the game to sum it up to kick us off. Yeah, good point. I was pleased for Surridge. Think he probably had a bad week, expecting to start, and then Forest sign Chris Wood, and he finds himself on the on the bench again. But uh, he did what he should have done. Bided his time, wait for his chance, and he he took it. Um, he wasn't offside. It was a very measured um, measured run at the back stick. He was behind the ball, so there was never any risk. I think that was overanalyzed by VAR. Encouraging debut from Danilo, which I know we'll get into a bit later on. And one or two of my Forest bankers had slightly, slightly off days too. So lots to talk about when we get into the detail. But all things said, good point on the road for Forest. The resilience is intact and we're staying up. I suppose when... Uh, Temps makes that point, Fletch, about bankers having off days. I assume he's talking about like, players like Aurier wasn't weren't really at it. To get the point, I guess that's a positive, isn't it? You talk about resilience, building that unbeaten run. Obviously, it wasn't the prettiest performance in phases of the game, which we'll get on to. But overall, it's, it's definitely a point gain more than two drops, I would say. I think it's hard to have a pretty performance in the situation you're in away from home and away from home at Bournemouth for people who haven't been to the ground. I mean, the crowd are literally right on the on the top of you. It's a difficult place to go and play, even though they're not a team that's exactly setting the Premier League on, on fire. I think any point away in the Premier League is a brilliant point. It's not a good point. It's not an OK point. It's a brilliant point. Because it's one of the hardest things to do in professional sport is to win on the road. And it's really difficult to win away in the Premier League. I saw some ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous stuff on social media during the game at the weekend. And I should know better. I shouldn't go on there. But it was absolutely crackers. The team were being criticised. They were 1-0 down away. They had a goal disallowed that was unfortunate. And they'd gone away and they'd battled and got themselves a point. And every time you get a point away from home in the Premier League, it's massive, especially when you're winning games at home the way that Forest are. It's not always going to be easy. It's oftentimes going to be difficult. And, and people have got to start looking at the positives. If, if the Forest team are going to get criticised for what they did at the weekend against Bournemouth, then Lord help us, this is going to be a long second half of the season and people's expectation levels are getting out of control. Great point. Dug in. 
battled hard. I think one of the big undervalued parts of this season is Steve Cooper's ability to make very good substitutions at exactly the right time to change games and affect games. And we saw that again at the weekend with the introduction of Sam Surridge, change the game, got the point, get back on the bus and get home. Yes, they'll play better, but come on, they got a point. It was absolutely superb away from home. And Prutz, is there plenty of value? It's still quite early in the season, but getting that point, keeping Bournemouth for, you know, at arm's length, keeping that gap to the relegation zone, it, it, there's some value in that, even though it's only, what, mid-January still? Yeah, of course there is. It's, it's that taking points away for the teams that are going to be down there with you, because that's what Forest are going to be. Anywhere, as we've said, for such a long period of time, anywhere above the dotted line is unqualified success this season for Forest, And it's not a lack of ambition that makes you say that. It's not being overly cynical. It's um, it's just true that the amount of time that they've been away from the Premier League and it's changed. It's got huge teams. We, we were speaking about it just before we came on here. Everton, a mainstay of the top flight, looking to all intents and purposes doomed. And look how they're reacting to that, how their fans are taking to the team, to the players and saying, this is not right. This is what we think. I'm not saying that if you're a Forest fan that you have to just be happy to be there to make up the numbers because this club is built on so much more than that. But Fletch is right. Going to places like Bournemouth, who, if you're looking at recent Premier League status, have been above and beyond what Forrest have been. They had a wonderful spell under Eddie in the top flight. Very calm, very measured, very composed, very much part of the furniture. So to go there, get a point, come away with that. Um, I, I think it's a solid, a solid foundation. Great for Sam to score the goal. I like the fact that he he kind of, I mean, he didn't go jumping in the front row celebrating, but he didn't do that daft thing where they all kind of look a bit demure and <laughs> I'm not going to celebrate, pumping his fists and giving it all that because it's a massive point for Forrester away that a club that he came away from. Brilliant. I think it's fantastic. Have you got enough steam for two questions in a row, Prots? Of course. Yeah, and, then, and then when I pass out, it's <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to ask quickly, I mentioned Aurier and I'm not digging him out because um, he's been brilliant and he's allowed an off day. I want to ask you from kind of personal experience. So there are days where you just rock up off ground or, or yeah, well, or wake up and you just think, oh, I feel like I'm gonna have a I'm gonna try my best, but it's not mm. gonna be my day. And sometimes that just feelings in the water and it just happens sometimes. The, the well, that's the wonderful thing and the reason why we all love football, because it's played by human beings. You can project, you can predict what could possibly happen in a game. And latterly in my career, it was and this is going to sound like such common sense, but the more often you did the right thing over the course of a week, the more often you got into your routine that made you feel as near 100% on a Saturday, the better you were. When you're a bit younger, there is an element of going into a game like a bit of a Hail Mary, hoping that you're going to play well. And that takes away the professional part of what being a professional footballer is. The, the dynamic means, obviously, there's another 21 people on the pitch that want to play just as well. So that kind of knackers you sometimes when you're trying to do your absolute best. But because he's, there is that human nature to it. I th yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Matt. I mean, Aurier, when you've seen him at, uh, in years gone by, I always thought, I think he's looked very, very settled as a Forest player. Before he became a Forest player, I thought he was very up and down. So maybe he's found a club where he can set the standard. Yes, I'm not saying that um, you can be overly um, expecting of several games where they're not quite up to it. But I think once you've set a standard and you dip once, maybe twice in, in a month, I think fans can forgive players that because of how well they're doing overall. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That, that's that's the, the gold dust that, that comes with 
the best players being able to perform week in, week out. And, and, and Flex will back this up, having spoken to lots of footballers. The very best get paid for consistency, for reliability. The, 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 very, the superstars get paid for all the bells and whistles that come with it. The other lot get paid for knowing that the manager's gonna you're gonna give the manager seven, eight, nine out of ten most weeks. Mm, mm, true, true. Um just looking at the game then. Fourteen minutes in, Forrest have a, a disallowed goal, Ryan Yates scores. Just on Yates, Fletch. None of us are doctors, but it's obviously not great seeing him go off two weeks in a row. Just need him to get right however long it takes and think about the player's health now, first and foremost. If, if there's an illness or anything wrong with Ryan Yates, then Nottingham Forest are absolutely not even on his list. Mm. This, is, this, is a, this is a young man with his life and his career ahead of him. And none of us are selfish enough to ever make the suggestion that, that Ryan Yates should put his own health over Nottingham Forest. It's okay playing with a knock. If you've got to twist an ankle and you can strap it up and away you go. But if you've had to go off twice for what you would describe as an unspecified injury because it was described the week before as a facial injury it clearly isn't a facial injury clearly something else and it's clearly a private matter and it's clearly something that the club need to work with Ryan to get right and we should just step away from that and allow them to do it wish the young man all the best because there's nobody at the city ground that gives more for the red shirt of Nottingham Forest than Ryan Yates got every confidence that he'll be okay and he'll be back in the team but we just need to step away and allow him to do that Keep our fingers crossed that he can come back soon. But the bigger picture here is that you know you want that you want him to be well and him to be functioning properly, and there to be no legacy left behind. So the club have got to work diligently with him to make sure that his health is paramount in all of this. And I'm afraid whether you're a football fan or not, results have to take a back seat while that gets sorted out. And let's hope he's not out too long. Um, it's not a football issue for me at all. It's it's a young man getting himself well. And then able to fulfil his huge potential. True, true. Um, the goal that he scored, Temps. Are we critical of Bolly for not for running offside there? It's such a fine margin. It's just an arm, but he's such an experienced player. Am I being a bit harsh that maybe he shouldn't be offside there? Um, I hope people are watching this on YouTube. By the way, just the the visual sight of Prutz there with a millennial YouTuber's microphone and his granddad's rocking chair. It's quite, <laughs> quite special. Um, yeah, look, actually asked, do, do, do I have heating in my house? And I can't reply, but I, I do. But it costs a fortune nowadays, so it's on. Save those pennies, Prots. Yeah, Bolly's been so dominant in the air, I don't think he needs to cheat and find himself half half yard offside to win that header. He's got six inches on the, the nearest defender. It's a floated ball. It's a pre-planned move where it's going to come to Bolly back across for one of three players in that second wave to nod it in. Executed perfectly, apart from the fact he went too soon. And he didn't need to. He's so dominant in the air. That's that's the, the, the biggest facet of his game. So I think there'll be a, a very quick stern word with Bolly in the video session. You don't need to do that. We're going to clip the ball to you. You're the focus to this. Get it back across, which he did very well. Yates is finished superb power and direction. I think he had every right to feel slightly aggrieved, not with the, the officials who got everything right, not with the delivery because it was perfect because Bolly went unnecessary early um, for a ball he was always going to win. Mm, true. And then Danilo comes on, Fletch. I mean, that was I thought it was a, an impressive debut. I thought maybe people were a little overboard about he's amazing, he's brilliant, but it's a very good first impression for a lad who doesn't speak a word of English, who's been here less than a week. I mean, an exciting signing, isn't it? I thought the, the fact that he was 
trying to pass the ball forward was was refreshing from that position in central midfield. Um, I think Remo Froil has played the position well. I think he looks after the ball nicely for you, but I think you could see the extra creativity that Forrest will have with Danilo in that position. Um, I don't think we can underestimate either the, the different circumstances that he would have played in on Saturday compared to anything that he would have experienced before. You know, Bournemouth away is a far cry from playing for Palmeiras against Flamengo in in the Maracanã. You know, it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a learning curve. What I was told was was he came in and made a big impression on the training ground straight away. That the players could see the ability that he's got clearly helps him. The fact that he's got Renan Lodi and to a larger extent Gustavo Scarpa, who he knows, which helps the settling in process and makes that quicker. But, I mean, there's no denying it. If Arsenal were chasing him, look at their recruitment. He must be a heck of a footballer if they're after him. And he was in the full Brazil squad without getting on the pitch, as as, as Tim Vickery told you last week, which, again, when you look at the, the midfield options available to the Brazilian national team, you have to be special to even be under consideration. So everything points to the fact they've got a good one. The fact that he's able to go to Bournemouth and make the kind of impression he did off the bench has to bode well. And you would suspect that when he gets the chance to play at the city ground and has a month or two under his belt learning things, he looks like he could be a heck of a player. It's too early to jump the gun, but I mean, you wouldn't have wanted any more from him, would you, for the for the debut? Yeah, I don't think he could have done any more, to be fair. Um, <clears throat> if people haven't seen that Tim Vickery interview, though, do check it out. There's lots of good insight on him, Scarpa and uh, Renan Lodi as well. You know what surprised me on that interview that you did? Now, listen to it last week was how surprised Tim was about how well the two Brazilian players at Forest had done without the ball. Yeah, yeah. About both of them. Well, Lodi can't defend and Scarpa won't be interested in winning it back. I think that the two most impressive aspects of those two so far has been Scarpa's willingness to work out of possession and Lodi up against Traore where he had him in his pocket and he's hardly lost any 1v1s since he went to left back. I think the surprise in Tim's voice when he was saying, listen, they're fine at that. He's all oh, right, okay, will you be okay then? So that obviously bodes well for the future with the two of them. True. I think Prutz has gone to turn his heating on because we've lost him, so we'll get him back when we yes. can. Quick lens sip and then he'll be back again. Fighting. True. Yeah, <laughs> recharge. Temps, I'll throw the next question to you then. Um, in longer term, just that midfield lineup is is Mangala the man to miss out? Because you've got options there of Danilo... Scarpa, uh, Scarpa, Yates or Freuler, a three. There's lots of choices. Mangala feels like he might be the longer-term odd man out now. Well, I think we're going to see the start of quite an unsettled midfield three while we work out what the permutations, strengths, weaknesses, and also the, 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 the game plan we're going to take into any particular match. I think Danilo is there to start games. I see Mangala at risk for sure. Yates is at risk short term because he's going to come back from this illness at some point and compete again. And you can see uh, make a case for, for Scarpa in there as well. But I think the solidity you'd have from having Freuler and Danilo in the team, at the minute you've then got a coin flip between Mangala and Scarpa for that slightly more advanced uh, one of the three. But I, I expect Danilo to become a regular star in this game for all the reasons that Tim Vickery mentioned. Because... Clearly, he's going to have this. The, the work ethic is already instilled in him um, to an even greater extent than, than Scarpa and uh, and Lodi. He's been the linchpin, the axis of of teams for two or three years now. He's won the Copa Libertadores twice. You don't do that without being 
a refined footballer between the boxes. I think he's got a bit of everything. I think he's got a bigger range of passing than anyone else in that um, the, the, uh, central midfield uh, competitors at Forest at this moment in time. I think he's a, a really promising player, but he's also one for now. And I fully expect him to start the next five games. Cool. Uh, Chris Wood. Let me just ask one on that, because you've played in various midfield shapes. Mm. You started the season with a, with a, a back three, didn't work went to what was essentially a 4-3-3 with three different midfield players, different strengths. So you've got Ryan Yates, Cech Kiate, Remo Freuler. That was the second yeah. three for a period of time. Then the injuries start to come. You look at the players that they've recruited now, and I wonder whether he might just be able to tinker with that a little bit. And you maybe now have two sitters instead of three. And yeah, then yeah. License to play a number 10, a bit more variation behind your number nine. I mean, all of a sudden, the way they're recruiting just, just gives them an opportunity an opportunity to play in a different way. And I wonder whether this might be a developing shape that Steve uses and maybe a horses for courses yeah. scenario in terms of how they go. Well, I think if, if you're looking at that and if it then becomes like a 4-2-3-1, and forgive me if you were talking about Chris Wood when I vanished for a second, if you get Chris up top on his own, the physical presence that he is, but you get legs around him, the likes of Morgan and Brennan, um, like you say, with those two sitters, that to me, that that sounds solid. It gives them a good foundation. I think you're right with the the three at the back, which if you are in a team that's just come up, very quickly goes to a five at the back, which means people turn up on a Saturday and kind of go, right, so we're just going to defend for the best part of 95 minutes and just kind of see what happens. But I think knowing kind of Steve, and we've all spoken at length about um, our experience of speaking to Steve, He's he's a, he's a deep thinker about the game, not for the sake of it and not tinkering for the sake of it. He needs different ways to to crack the same code over the course of a Premier League season, doesn't he? Take yeah. into account players coming in and out, take into account maybe spending some more money between now and the end of January. I think I think you're absolutely right, Fletch. It's a way of making sure that come the end of the season, and, and we all hope that come the end of the season, it's a massive pat on the back for everyone for staying up. But come the end of the season, if the worst comes to the worst, he needs to be able to look at himself and say, I've literally tried everything. I've literally tried everything here to keep this team in the Premier League. And if there are 17 better teams, that's the brutal nature of elite sport. You mentioned elite sport earlier on, Fletcher. It's that sense of being competitive enough more often than not over the season because they're not going to blow teams away. There'll be the odd game where things come together and it'll be like the glory days again. But it's going to be attritional. It's going to be a fight. And the more ways and the more you've got in your arsenal to be able to go at that fight, I think it stands them in great stead. I don't think there's any reason in certain circumstances, the reason why I asked the question, that you could have a situation where you play Danilo next to Yates or Danilo mm. next to Freuler, and then you don't need the extra one. And then you can play three behind the one, and all of a sudden you're a better attacking team. There might be other situations where you want the extra man in midfield because you're mm. playing against the powerful Premier League side. But I think as this as this group develops, you are going to see a manager who likes to set them up for individual situations in games, mm. start to look at the prospect of, well, what else can I do now with the group? And I think the recruitment was criticised in the summer because 20-odd players came in and it was kind of throw the names up and were working out and Steve was given an impossible task. But I think now we're starting to see the variation within the group based on the players that they have. And now you're saying, well, they could play with, with, with a 4-2-3-1. They can play with a 4-3-3. They could go to a back three if they get an extra centre-back in or mm. near Katty comes back and they can have a little look at that because they've got wing-backs 
as well as fullbacks. So I think it looks like a very flexible group at the moment, which, based on what lies ahead, when they're all fit, does give the manager plenty of options. Hmm. What midfield state did you prefer playing in, Prots? Uh, personally, was it nicer having that three-man midfield or having a somewhat a base of a diamond behind you? Did it take some pressure off you? Artie loved that diamond, Prots, didn't he? Artie, Artie, Artie did, yeah. And he, he um, worked on it relentlessly and, and it, it was... It was it was a way of playing that really suited the lads that we had, whether it was yeah. like a Gareth Williams that was sitting and me. Ricky. Ricky yeah, exactly. Ricky, Ricky as well. Ricky. Me tear arsing around down one side and um, be, being able to facilitate the players that were slightly more silkier further up. I, I think it, it takes energy. The great thing with that is you, you're talking about formation from over 20 years ago, which since I've seen, say, like a Luton side with Nathan Jones, had a massive Paul Hart influence on it with regards to playing with a diamond. Um, and I think it offered us so much going forward. We had uh, full-backs that weren't scared of getting forward, whether it was Matty Louis-Jean or, or, or Jim Brennan. And then you had, and obviously it's, it's a different level, but then you had Marlon and, and John Ove scoring 20-plus goals in a season, which is frightening, really, isn't it, when you think about the kind of goals, um, the goal power that that team had. But I, I really enjoyed that one. Latterly, <clears throat> I went up, I played it a bit in the youth team as well, a uh, uh, wide, wide right, right of a four. But as you get older, you, <laughs> it becomes less um, attractive because it's knackering, <laughs> and you just got to. And, and you'll get some young buck at fullback going, "See ya!" Come flying past, you think, "Christ, all day is going to be running up and down the touchline here." And then, um, so then the older you got, the the the, the more comfortable I felt in the centre, where you're a bit more in touch with the game, but. It depends. It depends on a, on the kind of era that you uh, that your career is is played in, mate. Whether you are part of an energetic young side, which that Forest team was, and as you get older, you've got to adjust your game accordingly. But going back to Fletcher's point and Temps as well, with regards to the choice, it, it must. It, it's only a good thing. It's only a positive thing to have this many players flexible enough to play several different shapes. Prutz has just proved beyond doubt that football is the opposite to the human body because as a professional footballer, the older you get, you get narrower. And as a man, you get wider. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought this cat, this cardigan was covering it like a whole host of sin. <laughs> no, you're all right. <laughs> That's what we're worried about. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let's move on to Chris Wood then a bit more. Temps, it wasn't a great debut, if we're honest, but big ask of a lad to come in, one training session, you play to his strengths. I have people writing him off, and there were some really, I thought, terrible comments about him on social media. Of course, as Fletch says, don't read social media, but you know, give the guy a bit more than one game to judge him, surely. Yeah, don't write him off. I think with hindsight, this is very much a hindsight call, it was the wrong game to throw him into because so much has to change about the way a team builds up for Chris Wood to be effective. He's been an effective Premier League goal scorer for a sustained period of time. And at Burnley in particular, there were two reasons for that. They played more long balls than any other team and they played more floated crosses than any other team. He's got one elite asset, which is the manner in which he wins aerial duels. I think he's in the top 3% of all time in the Premier League from what I was reading over the weekend. Now, Forrest aren't geared up at the minute to accommodate that kind of player. Our crosses are often low. Brennan often looks to get to the byline and, and square it, particularly in recent weeks. The focal point of the team has been Morgan Gibbs-White, who's a link man, who runs at players, who plays balls like the through ball to Brennan that led to the Surridge goal, like the, the ranging pass with the outside of his peg that led to Brennan's second against Leicester. 
So Chris Wood can be effective, will be an effective weapon for Forrest. However, to get the best out of him, we have to make quite considerable changes to the way that we play the game. Because unlike Taiwo, he's not going to scrap for his second ball and try and take on the fullback. He's going to play width of the box generally. He's going to score 90% of his goals within the 18-yard box, if not within the six-yard box generally. I think he's the kind of player we needed. We've seen too many instances this season. And I will use Man City away as an example, where under pressure, we tried to relieve it by lumping it to Jesse Lingard, Morgan Gibbs-White, Brennan Johnson, who are not in the upper echelons of, of strikers expected to contest aerial duels. So poor debut, yes, completely understandable, given that he was parachuted in, out of nowhere, had no time to acclimatise. I think he'll become an effective player. He'll certainly score some goals for Forest this season. But if we're to get the best out of him, we have to change our system. And Fletch just triggered something in my head there about the 4-2-3-1 the potential. I think Chris Wood could be more effective in that. And that it removed this need to solve this conundrum centre mid. If we were to play two, if that was two of Freuler, Danilo, Yatesy, if we just leave Mangala to the side for, for, for a moment, I think we're blessed with a number of players who could play in that three in Gibbs White, Johnson in particular, Scarper and Lingard perhaps scrapping for that third spot. I think in that system, Wood becomes an effective point man. However, in the system we've been playing recently, I think there's a, a lot needs to change for him to thrive. Mm-hmm. You need other dimensions as well, Fletch, don't you? I mean, I, I, he played from the left again. Maybe that didn't work as much as maybe he plays in the middle. But over the course of the next six months, Forrest do need different options at different points, as we've said with midfield. I think anybody who's made a judgment on Chris Wood after Saturday perhaps shouldn't go again, if I'm honest, because you can't judge a player away from home when they managed to get his registration in minutes before the deadline on the Friday. No idea what his role is in the team. And then people are saying, oh, he's no good. Absolute nonsense. Nonsense. It's all right having an opinion, but come on, let's try and be sensible about it. I mean, you cannot judge Chris Wood based on that performance at all. You've got to give him a few games. Likewise, you can't anoint Danilo the next Fernandinho based on what we saw there either. So let's just get a bit of reality to all of it. Because if memory serves me correctly, there are a lot of Forest fans telling me that Lonnie was crap after half a dozen games. And Bonnie was no good after they sent him for 90 minutes earlier in the season. And now they're all walking around with with a name on the back of the shirt. So let's give it a bit of time to work out and let's give Chris Wood a chance to get his feet under the table before we decide whether he's good, bad or indifferent. I think what Tim says is, 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 is spot on. And I think it goes back to the situational changes that Steve wants to make in games. I think back to the Leicester game the last week. It was, it was crying out for Sam Surridge to come on and just play into Sam, just play into somebody and get the runners off. I don't necessarily think all the time the fact it's a number nine, the ball's got to be in the air. Forrest sometimes struggle to, to find the player to play into, to then get the ball onto a Lingard, a Gibbs-White, a Johnson. And I think Wood will do that well. He can play with his back to goal and you can play into him and out again. And that's a big thing. And I think when you think about the, the impact that Sam Surridge has had off the bench in recent matches, that's an area where Chris Wood is going to be a factor. And you can't really spend the rest of the season with only one player like that. So this is a numbers game as well. You know, Tyro Allen is going to be out for a couple of months. It's a lot of the season gone by the time he comes back. And you don't know how long it's going to take him then to get back to, to where he wants to be. So 
you can't then just say, well, we've only got one player like that in Sam Surridge. Now you've got Chris Wood and Sam Surridge, you've got options. They've got different skill sets, I know, but they can do similar jobs as well. And I, and I just think that his role in the team is not going to predominantly be about the number of goals he gets and the amount of chances he gets on the end of. I think he's going to be used in, in different ways to make the, the parts better, to allow Gibbs White to function better, to be a physical presence in both penalty areas, which is important because Forrest are a good set-piece team. You know, they score a lot of goals from set pieces, Forrest. I don't want to bracket them like that, but they're good at it. Andy Reid works hard on that and they get the rewards from that. So there are a lot of different elements to what they're going to get and need from Chris Wood moving forward outside of how many goals are you going to get? Because there are other elements to it that Forrest need. Well, I think as well, if anyone's watched um, <clears throat> Newcastle, as they as things changed over the year, the players that they brought in to move themselves away from trouble Chris was a massive part of that. He was he was a huge part. If you watch that team as it progressed and and suddenly looked a completely different proposition to what it was under Steve Bruce, um, it wasn't just Chris's goals. You're absolutely right, Fletch. I mean, in terms of the way that you've broken down what he's capable of and what he can bring, is is fascinating really because he strikes me as a player that, like you say, between the the, the sticks, width of the six yard box, make sure the ball's there more often than it isn't. You know what I mean? He'll, he'll work his socks off. And I've I've been in situations where it's great if you go into a club and you have the kind of debut that is one for the ages. It also sets an unrealistic expectation as well. It's like, well, well, obviously that's how he's going to play every single time. The flip side of it is if he comes in and doesn't set the world alight, there's the the, rum, the grumblings come on because there are preconceptions about Chris Wood, where he's played, who he's played for, the way that they've played football, these specific teams. He was the top scorer in the championship at Leeds United. He went and asserted himself in the Premier League with Burnley and then he went and did exactly the same with Newcastle. Forrest, I think I've got a really good player from what I hear. He's a very, very good teammate as well. Um, and the fact that he had one training session, two training sessions, if that, before going in. And with the greatest respect, when you're playing at a club, you've got enough on your plate concentrating on the way your team plays. He's probably got no clue how Nottingham Forest play football. And obviously, yeah. it, it's it's... It's variations on a theme, and he's been in football that long that you've got to be adaptable. But if he's going to a completely different way of working, and it, regardless of our experiences, it might just take him a little bit to get up and running. But I'm with you guys. I think, and we'll probably come on to it in due course about that the, the, the ability to vent and voice opinion and instantly judge what would have been a good debut a hat trick? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, you know, as like, well. You know, based on what Temp said, mm. and, and you'll know this, it's not just about him and the mm. impact he makes. Those around him have to develop as well. So yeah. maybe the ball's got to go in a fraction earlier. Maybe you're not going to try and get to the byline. Yeah. Maybe you're not going to attack down the flanks the way they've been doing it. Because if you're Brennan Johnson or anybody on the other side of the pitch, in your mind, you're not certain whether anybody's going to be in the box because Forrest yeah. haven't often played with a number nine. They've played with false nines and you don't quite know what run you're going to get. Mm -hmm. So then it puts doubt in the mind of the provider. I think that's going to take a little bit of settling down as well when he's on the pitch. The person in possession has to then know that he's going to be there and as you say, he's going to be between the width and the post. He's going to mm -hmm. be around the penalty spot or the six-yard box and the team itself has to get used to playing with that kind of player because yeah. they haven't had that individual. No. So it takes a bit of work. 
he's not he's not what you'd call a complete striker. So if, I was trying to think of relevant examples, but someone like Lewis Graben or even Darren Hookery back in the day when he he was loaned into that side with with Jono and Marlon up top, they can adapt and become instantly part of an existing structure at any team. Chris Wood is one of the very very best at winning flicks and converting floated crosses. Let's play to his strengths, give him 10 games of us getting used to him, him getting used to us. And within that, he'll get better and better and better and be- become a real weapon, I'm convinced. But yeah, you're right. Anybody that's written him off off the back of that, you know, delete your own Twitter account because those views are not needed. You're going to see something similar at Manchester United because they've got to now introduce Val Veghorst into their system. And he's different to Anthony Martial. He's different to when they play Bruno Fernandes as a false nine. So they've now got to learn when Garnacho's wide or Rashford's wide, that ball can just go in. And you've not even got to be accurate because you've got a, a fella in the middle of the pitch with physical presence who's going to go and find the ball. He's going to be in the middle of the box, in between defenders, and he's going to be physical enough to get on the end of it. So instead of getting wide, I always look at Brennan Johnson. Brennan gets wide. And then he knows that the ball that he plays in from outside the box has to be extremely accurate because he's trying to find a Lingard or a Gibbs White or a midfield player running. It's a different kind of ball. When you've got a big physical presence in the middle, you can just put that ball into an area and you know that that individual is going to find a way to get on the end of it more often than not. They might not always score, but there'll be a disruptive influence in there and that leads to other opportunities coming. So... It is a change. It, it just is a change. And it does take a few games and a few training sessions to get right. So, you know, I, mean, I just can't do the knee-jerk stuff. I just, I just can't do it. Uh, happy 40th birthday to Nick Barker in the comments, by the way. I did spot that. So thanks for joining us on your 40th birthday. Happy birthday, Nick. Sorry if you were one of the ones criticising Chris Wood. I didn't mean it. It wasn't, don't worry. Not that I saw anyway. Uh, let's move on to the goal and Sam Surridge then. Obviously, Temps, pleased for Sam. Striker's goal. Another goal, another contribution from Brennan. Another nice pass to Morgan Gibbs-White. It was it was a nice moment for Forrest where some of the, the present and the future of the football club linked up well again. Great goal. What a clip through from Gibbs-White. What a ball from Brennan and Sam's timed it right. And look, I, I don't know what where Sam Surridge's headspace is at, but I hope he's happy having 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there, because he's so effective for Forrest. He, he seems like a really committed player. The attitude seems to be spot on all the time and he's ready when called upon. And he'll be called upon a lot between now and the end of the season, particularly while uh, Taiwo finds himself on the sidelines. So I was I was delighted for him. I think since we've signed him, what, little over a year ago, he's been fantastic. He scored more goals than Keenan in the second half of, of last season. He was a big part of why we um, timed that run to the playoffs. I think he's been an unbelievable, like pound for pound, one of the, the best signings Forrest have made in a long, long time. However, the reason we've signed Chris Wood is because we don't think he should be the first cab on the rank. We, we don't think he is the player that's going to fire us into staying in the Premier League and, and, and carrying that on his shoulders, Chris Wood can. So it's a tough spot for him because a player of, with those assets, this slightly different mindset, may well have banged on Cooper's door and said, Gaffer, get me alone or even ship me to the Championship because I want to play 90 minutes week in, week out at this stage of my career. I really hope we cling on to him because I don't think he's going to start every game, but I think when he does get the minutes, he's going to make impact. He's a team man. He can pop up with important goals 
And more importantly, every time we've called upon, he's found uh, there's a there's a base, there's a, there's a flaw to his performance, which he never falls before. He's been a very, very consistent performer for Forrest. And I, I hope he's appreciated by the rest of, of the support as much as he is by me. What's your take on him? Seen him a lot in the Championship. What level is Sam Surridge, do you think? I think he's a good uh, Premier League squad player, very much so. Looking to what attempts he's said. Now, didn't we bump into his dad? His dad? When we his did dad the was at our live show, was, yeah. And his brother, was, brother. Was, his, was his brother there, yeah. And it's, it's, no, it's no reflection. I mean, I've, when I was at the Leicester game, I saw bumped into Joe Worrell's dad as well. Um you can see where he gets his confidence from. He kept, kept marching over. I'm Joe Worrell's dad. <laughs> I mean, Thank God I've been really nice about him whenever I'm talking about it because you are massive. Um, but it's it's not it's not a straightforward yardstick to measure a player and a person. But very rarely would you meet a lovely father and brother and the, and the and the player be a bit of a whopper. You know what I mean? So what yeah. what we've seen from Sam over a consistent period of time. I think it always was going to be really, really tough, that step up to the Premier League, as it is for a lot of Forest players. We've got to put that in there as well. And if he can if he can contribute to games like we saw against Bournemouth, not just the goal, but everything he did. Um, and going back to Fletcher's point where the effect that people being brought in can have on other players. Chris Wood comes in the door, Sam goes, oh, hang on. There's someone else to fight past, someone else to kind of keep me on my toes, someone else to push and train it. It might have a wonderful effect on someone like him. Again, he's a player that I haven't seen too much on the wrong end of, of comments with regards to um, his contribution to Forrest. It's just the minutes under his belt that, as a player of a certain age, you'll be looking at that thinking, I've got to, I've got to start banking these games, I've got to get a run of games, because as all strikers are, the confidence players, you get a run of games, you get a run of goals, and it is flying. But I wholeheartedly agree with what Temps said with regards to the, the kind of the, the sum of the team is something that can compete in the Premier League, and that permutation of whichever eleven that starts is going to be competitive. True. Your mic like, is terrible. He, he got criticised himself, didn't he? After missing a few chances against Blackpool, wasn't he? The was didn't he get the wrath of the keyboard warriors after that? And now all of a sudden he's super Sam because he gets the equaliser at Bournemouth. Kind of puts the Chris Wood criticism into perspective. You'd like to think as well that there might be elements of Sam's game where he can look at Chris Wood on the training pitch and it might bring him on a little bit because Chris Wood will do certain things better than him in certain situations and that can be educational because there are similarities between the pair of them. I think the fact that he got a stand innovation from the players in the changing room after the match, which is which is something I read at the weekend, having scored his first Premier League goal shows how popular he is with the group. And that tells you as well that his work ethic on the training pitch and the way he carries himself around the place is first class, despite the fact that he's not always been first choice. Um, I think that tells you a lot. And, 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 and without betraying confidence, as David said, that we we bumped into his dad and his brother. The family have actually moved up to the East Midlands, haven't they? So they can be with him and provide him with the support. So this is, you know, he's very, very serious about being a Forest player. The family have clearly got a connection to the city and to the club as well. So... That all bodes well for the future. He strikes me as one of the good guys, so you like to see him have that success. And there's nobody, when they go on the football pitch, that gives more for the team than he does. I mean, he's completely committed. And I think the way that Steve Cooper's been using him has been fantastic. I mentioned the substitutions that he makes. He, he tends to make them at a good time. And he tends to know exactly when Sam Surridge is needed, in what circumstance, to enable the whole group to function better. And I think when he, whenever he comes on, he makes an impact. And, and long may that continue. I hope he stays at the club and, 
and goes on to enjoy a really successful season. Uh, let's turn our attention to Man United then and we'll get on to whether Sam starts in that game shortly. But um, Prots, the occasion itself for the football club, for the players, uh, it's a great one. And obviously, pretty much everyone seems to be saying outside Nottingham, Man United absolutely nailed on to win this, which is probably a motivating factor in itself. What, what are your thoughts on the tie? It'd be very tough. Is that mic? Sound, does that sound any better, my mic? I don't know if it's your headphones. I think it might be your headphones, not your mic. I don't know. You'd think after three years of doing this via COVID that we'd have had it completely <laughs> set up properly. But I'll carry on and just wave at me to shut up if it doesn't sound great. Um, they've, they've absolutely got a chance. The Jekyll and Hyde nature that we can see from United at times means that Forrest can't be intimidated going into this. They can't be timid in the sense of what they want from the game. We saw last season against bigger clubs how much they stepped up to the plate. We've seen this season how they've done exactly the same. More of a level pecking now that we're, we're talking about two Premier League teams. So I don't think there's anything in, in the fixture that should overtly scare what the team can do. It certainly won't scare Steve Cooper. He'll see it as a, as a, as a wonderful way of pitting his wits against Eric Ten Hag and being able to, to show that his forest side to back up everything that we, we see as a fundamental and a prerequisite, the way that they fight, the way that they run, the way that they battle, the way that they challenge. This is a good footballing team, a really good footballing team, Forrest. Take the, the second goal against Leicester, a wonderful move, wonderful ball in for Morgan into, into uh, Brennan, first touch away from the defender, top corner finish. This is a team that can hurt the opposition. So I'm not saying it's a free hit by any stretch of my imagination because the confidence that comes from beating a United side could bleed its way back into the into the league form, so it's once it's once a saver, absolutely once a saver. How you've seen it, Fletch? I think it is a free hit. I think this this two leg semi final is a massive bonus. Um, it's all about finishing higher than the bottom three. The whole season is about that. It's why I, it didn't bother me when they went out of the FA Cup. Didn't concern me at all. It's not about that. Um, I think to echo Brooks' points, and I agree with him. They have taken confidence from this competition. I thought a big turning point in the season was the Tottenham match. So there are benefits from winning games in this competition. But I think you get to a semi-final, City ground's going to be bouncing. You've got the first leg. You've got the chance to take a lead to Old Trafford. But you've also got the chance to go out there and enjoy it. And And I just hope that they can face the game the way they should. Hope the crowd enjoy it for what it is, a massive bonus, because if... You would have said to everybody at the start of the season, you can have 17th in the table and nothing else. We would have said brilliant season. Now we're saying, well, you could have maybe slightly higher than that in a semi-final in the League Cup. Then you're in utopia if you're a Forest supporter. So I think it's a great opportunity. I think it's a winnable game. I think despite the fact they lost 3-0 at Old Trafford, they were in that match for a long period of time. They had possession in good areas. They just didn't have the ability on the night to turn possession around the penalty area into shots on goal and and chances. So I don't think Manchester United necessarily at the moment bring that intimidation factor that the Manchester City do. And I think they've only got to look at what Southampton did in the previous round. They beat Man City at home 2-0 on their own pitch. They couldn't buy a win. If Forrest get 2-0 and go to Old Trafford in a situation like that, they've got a chance of getting to a final. And let's not forget, in the long history of this wonderful club of ours, they've never lost a League Cup semi-final. Um, every time we get this far, we get to the final. We've never gone out in the semis. So there's a bit of history there. If people believe in omens and, and things like that, 
then why not have a bit of confidence? But there's no reason why they can't just go into this on Wednesday night and think, you know what? Let's play with the, with the shackles off. Because I tell you something, this Man United team's under pressure going into this game because they're not going to win the Premier League. And they need a trophy, by the way. And this is one they're looking at going, oh, we could win this. Now, that brings pressure. Forrest aren't under any pressure. They're not going to win the League Cup. They've got to stay in the Premier League. Forrest can enjoy it, play with the brakes off. The pressure in this fixture is all on the opposition. Temps, as is tradition, have you done your eleven? Yeah, I feel really energised after Fletcher's little walk right <laughs> there. I think I, I, I believe a little <laughs> bit more than I did 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I know, pass that again. Just enjoy, <laughs> it. Just enjoy it. Exactly right, but three changes for me. So, Surridge, Surridge, Scarpa, Danilo come in. Wood, Cup tied. Mangala, rested. Yatesy, get well soon. I think Surridge and Danilo are always, almost nailed on. I think they will definitely happen. And the big debate is what he does with that third midfielder. So, Mangala, does he deserve another chance? We, we see perhaps a little bit more um, break-up play from him. We see him more active between the boxes, but there's an X factor with Scarpa. And I think in a in a two legged format, we have to take a lead to Old Trafford if we're gonna if we're gonna prevail in this in this tie. If the roles are reversed, I think we go to defend uh, to Old Trafford and play a more a more defensive lineup and try and nick one back at the City ground. So that's that's my justification for Scarpa being in there. However, I think he's in a real scrap with Mangala for that spot. Yeah. I like Scarpa in there as the X Factor entertainer, just from a fan's point of view at home. If it was at Old Trafford, I'd do it differently. But yeah, I see. I'm, I not, agree. I'm not sure he plays a nine on Wednesday. I think he might go back to the the false nine. I think he might mm. go Scarpa, Gibbs White, Johnson, because I think he he knows how dominant they can be in central midfield. Because Casemiro's back, Ericsson, Bruno Fernandez dropping into little pockets as well. I think he might be slightly concerned that he, he might need the extra body from time to time in there. So I wonder whether he might do away with the with the front man at the start, knowing that he's going to bring him on at some stage, which he's been good at, and just play that false nine. I think the form that Morgan's in at the minute means you can play that system with a lot more confidence because he's got that look about him at the minute that he's going to dominate games regardless. He's got a real appetite for it is his energy levels are off the charts and he's having that little run at the minute that footballers love that everything he tries is coming off yeah the passes with the outside of the boot are landing on the sixpence and all that kind of thing and he's playing with that little bit of swagger so he might fancy running the game from there and I just I just wonder whether they, they might just might just start that way and then maybe bring Sam Surridge on if they get ahead of steam up in the second half it's a, it's a fascinating it's a fascinating problem that he's got because you can make big pluses in both selections, can't you? It's a nice position to be in, but I think he's probably he's probably tossing it, tossing and turning at night, working out what to do. And it was interesting as well that when he went to Old Trafford, yes, he played with Tywo Awini, but he played him as a left winger. Didn't play him through the middle. He, he, I thought he'd put him on Luke Shaw and, and bolt him onto Luke Shaw and see whether he can cope with the with the physical presence. But he didn't. He played him wide. So I just wonder at home whether he might go for that fluidity in the final third as opposed to a focal point mm. they might need to double up on Rashford and play someone like Mangala as well the form he's in and obviously he's going to play I imagine because United have got Reading at the weekend so that's probably the game where they do rest players so yeah there's lots of arguments either way um Prutz just lastly before we go on to any other business we haven't really touched on Morgan Gibbs White much obviously we saw so much of him in the championship did you see his form coming it's no surprise to you or not it's just a wonderful player 
I think he's got the mentality, he's got the cocksuredness to um, perform at this level. I think he's got a wonderful uh, and a developing wonderful relationship with Brennan. And he seems to be very happy to be pitted right into the middle of where the creation needs to come from, I think. Watching the Leicester game, it was very evenly matched first half. They went through the gears, I thought, in the second half and managed the game really, really well. As I said, that ball into um, Brennan for the second goal, wonderfully weighted, fizzed into him, trusting the touch of his teammate. Um, and I think when we looked at the price tag, everyone kind of went, but then they're a bit arbitrary now at the price tags in football. It, 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 sometimes it feels like they're completely plucked out of the air. It's nothing to do with the player, which I think is right. But what he's got from a technical point of view and what he's got from a an aggression and a approach to his profession uh, point of view. I think he's, he's got lot legs in his career. He's got legs to do some really special things. Your microphone sounds absolutely glorious there, I must say. Does it? Thank you. Yeah. Do you, do, you not, do you not think when you watch him play now, the form he's in now, that he's got that look of Jack Grealish at Aston Villa? Mm. I do. He wants Jack to stop. Is, yeah, He'll take Jack on anyone, won't he? And he wants the ball everywhere and he's got that look about him and this is my grass and I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to play on every blade of it. He doesn't do that so much at Manchester City where he's more rigid. But when he was at... He's even got the the similar socks and, you know... He's just got that... He he reminds me at the minute of Grealish at Villa and that can only be a good thing. It's his show, isn't it? It's his show and he's he's going to run it how he sees fit, which I think is when you play with a player like that, you're more than happy. Go on. Go and do your stuff. You crack on. We'll mop up whatever needs to be mopped up. Just go and do your thing and he's doing it, yeah. Yeah. He's still on set pieces ahead of Scarpa and then they did give Scarpa one so he could play his low to good Morgan to have a shot from outside the box on the corner that he did let someone else take. So, yeah. <laughs> definitely is, you know when you come in and it's the first time you've had the opportunity at the top level because, I mean, you ran the show for Sheffield United last year but it's different doing it in the Championship than it is the Premier League. He comes with a price tag. That can often weigh heavy around somebody's neck, even though they say it doesn't, oh, the price tag's nothing to do with me. It is, because they, they walk into the club, they know what they cost, and they think, right, well, I've got to be that player. And it can take a while. If you look at him now, playing with the confidence that he is, he seems to thrive on every challenge that comes his way. You can see why Steve Cooper was so adamant in the summer that, that the focal point of this new Nottingham Forest team needs to be Morgan gibbs White. he got every faith in it. And it did take a little bit of time for him to become the alpha on the pitch. But he is Forrest Alpha now. You know, they give him the ball. You know, everybody wants to give it to Morgan because he's going to make good things happen. And I think it's wonderful to see. I, I think he'll be in an England squad before too long. He deserves to be. Um, be. Just because of the kind of player that he is and the confidence that he brings, that creativity, I think he can unlock most teams. And I just think it's great to watch a young man like that embrace the challenge that he's been given in the manner that he has. It's wonderful to see. True. I think he'll be in England squad. If he keeps putting these performances and numbers up, even with the quality that Forest uh, England have got with Foden, Grealish, Mount, whoever, you know, I think he's uh, Madison. He's going to be up in that class very soon. Um, right. Any other business before we go? Final five minutes. Temp, start with you. Anything yeah, two, two quickies. First one, this is a very, very young Forest side. We, we've just talked about one player there, but also in there regularly, Brennan Johnson. Lottie's only 24. Um, Yatesy, of course. Worrell. This is a very, very young Forest side, which Danilo's just come into, and clearly the plan is over a period of years, this this group can kind of mature, go from strength to strength, and their peak is a long way off. So just just kudos for that, and and bear that in mind when we're considering ourselves against battle-hardened teams that have been together for years. Second point, I might get cancelled for this um, quite a controversial thing to say. Thank God. I, I <laughs> Thank think 
I think I've I think I've come this to like. This is purely temp saying this, anyone. This is live. Purely but, yeah. <laughs> nothing to well, do with Pr- what he's about to say. Pruitts might disagree, but I, I think I've, I've come to like Neil Warnock. I've listened to a couple of poddies now with, with Pruitts. We had Brucey on as well. And having hated this guy for 25, 30 years, I've come to realise now, funny fella, mm. loves football. Yeah. I think the YouTube clip comparing him to Pep Guardiola is one of the best things I've I've ever seen. <laughs> and, you know, the risk of being berated by um, every Forest fan, half of football fans across the land, I'm going to put it out there. I'm now a fan of Neil Warnock. Cheers, Prutz. He's a lovely fella. He's, he's, yeah. he's, he's, uh, the, the teams that we played against when he was in charge were always great battles. I loved playing mm. against that team. But he was also a manager that I would have also loved playing for. And having the a chance to work with him, and whenever you go anywhere universally, there's not many people that come up and give an earful. Everyone kind of goes, "Oh, you know, you're right." And he's um, he's still got a wicked sense of humour for someone who's 74. Not saying that you should get to 74 and have a sense of humour, but he's, he's a character that divides opinion. There's not many left in the game, I don't think. So it's um, it's it's something that I've really enjoyed doing. But looking at the comments, I think you've knackered it, Temp. So <laughs> see you, mate. Yeah. It's, been, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> They're not too bad. You know, his, to... big, his big ambition was to was to manage Forest. Mm. So he used to Notts County used to train not that far away from Forest when Brian Clough was the manager, and he used to look on enviously at, at Cloughy being the Forest manager. And he came close. Fawaz had given him the job, but then wanted to pick the team for a match before Neil came in. So he told him to get stuff um, a few seasons back. But he's always wanted to do that. But he is one of the game's great characters. He told me a story. I'll, I'll tell it you quickly, but it just made me, it just tickled me. It just sums him up. They went to Old Trafford first day of the season. Notts County had been promoted. And the first game was Man United away. And Neil said, when the team sheet came out, number seven was Kanchelskis. He said, but we had no idea who he was. We'd never heard of him. He said, so back in those days, there's no laptops and stuff. He said, so Mick Jones, his assistant, the late Mick Jones, went off to try and find out who he was. So he came back in and he said, oh, he's a, he's a, he's a Russian. He, they've just signed him. He, I, I, I don't know anything about him, but he's a, he's a Russian. So Alan Paris was the left back. So Neil said to Alan Paris, look, you won't fancy it. Get really tight, you know, get in there, smash into him early on. So the game kicks off. The ball goes into Kinchelskis. In comes Alan Paris and Kinchelskis just knocks it around the corner. God, woof. And Neil said, I'm now on the touchline shouting, Alan, give him 10 yards. I've told you to fuck off. I've told you to fuck off. <laughs> All goes into Kinchelskis again. And Alan Paris now drops back. So Kinchelskis just tees him up, drops the drops the shot, buff gone again, crossing, bang. Alan, Alan. So Neil said, We get to half time. He said, I'm the manager. I've got no idea who the player is. So I'm the one in the firing line. He said, and I'm thinking, what am I going to say to Alan Paris? Because I've not helped him at all in the first half. He said, so I'm, I've gone down the, the, the touchline at Old Trafford and Alan Paris gets to the tunnel at the same time I do. He said, and as he, as he jokes past me, he just looked at me and said, Gaffer, we know who he is now. And just mentioned again. He said, but we had no idea who he was. He said, fantastic. True, man. True. Anything you want to add, Prots, before we depart? No, I, I concur with everything that's been said. My voice is about to go and I'm about to fall on the floor, but this has been lovely, Jen. Good. Fletch, well, anything you want to add? No, just get off Chris Wood's back. Give him I've time. got one thing. Talking of getting off people's back, then. Cool. I wanted to talk about the Bertels 
Twitter furore at the weekend about Gary's commentary on the world feed, which obviously I didn't watch unless I went to a foreign country to watch at a friend's house. So I don't mind people having negative comments about feedback for commentators at all. Fletcher, I'm sure, and Prutz, I'm sure you're very used to this. People saying, you know, you were rubbish, blah, blah, blah. My issue more would be telling Gary, who's a lovely man, thanks for your service, now F off. He's a... Yeah, he's a CU so and so. He's a he's a wanker. I have to leave that out. All sorts of insight. A very small minority, but it did great on me at the weekend. Now maybe Gary was a bit negative. I thought what he said was mostly. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know that because I didn't see it. Um, I I just thought it was disappointing to see that. And it's only let's say it's twenty people out of the whole thing. But I just thought it was a bit unnecessary. If you saw Gary in the street, you're not going to say that to him. You're going to say thanks very much. Can I have a photo? Try to be a bit nicer on commentary, ha ha, that kind of thing. So I've it's known, the modern I, world, but I didn't like it. I've known Gary a long, 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 long time, um, way longer than he would like, actually. Um, he wishes we'd only just met. Um, there is nobody that cares more about Nottingham Forest Football Club than him. There is nobody that's more genuine in their assessment of what they see than him. And he's doing a job that, that divides opinion. I think for anybody to take that attitude towards Gary um, is unfair. It's unnecessary. It's certainly misplaced because he cares a lot for the club. And I, I can't I can't alter people's opinions if that's what they think. But if you met him and you spent time in his company, you certainly wouldn't feel that way. Um, and I think that that's, I don't like that. That's, that, I, I, that, that's upset me, the fact you said that. that that's not good. That's it's just right. a reflection Echo of what, what we think. So go on, Seps, after you, mate. No, a great fella loves the club. Carry on, Prince. Mm. No, it, it's because of, of what the medium is now, where if if you can't if you can't listen to that and not um park one part of it, but also make your own judgment of what you see in yourself. I've never understood get people getting irate about um I can't believe you said that. Well, yeah, well that was a, as an opinion in the moment, and that was past. It's, Nothing, nothing vindictive in it. There's no kind of forethought or, or, or malice that goes into it. Gary's, and I was, I was thinking about this as, as Matt had mentioned earlier on. Everyone's got different delivering commentary. Everyone's got different delivering. Mike and Richards. So it, everything seems like the best thing in the world. There's got to be an antidote to that. I'm not saying Gary Bell's is the antidote to that, but I'm saying his delivery is different. Don Goodman's delivery is different. Jamie Carragher's delivery is different. Karen Carney's delivery is different. Different corners. I'm just listing all these different commentators that approach it in different ways. If and, and I'm, I'm of that firm believer that to, to kind of buy too much into that is, um, I always found it just a little bit disappointing. That's not saying you, you've got carte blanche to go around caning people by any stretch of the imagination. And when we get people on, and Fletch would have would have um, had the experience of this. So like a, a Lucy Ward, Fletch. So Lucy, fantastic, really good commentator. She's got to come in. Firstly, people go, well, hang on, there's a woman commentating on a men's football match here. Get over that. Secondly, content. Yeah, really good. Delivery. Yeah, really good. So that's that's a personal opinion, but that's how you've got to break these the, the kind of way of judging comment, commentators down because there is now a cult of that. We, BT, do it, Sky, do it, where you get um, commentary cams, which 40 years ago, you'd have gone, sorry, you want to show a picture of the commentator and the co-comment. No, they're there to talk about the game. You Fletch brought that in. That was part of his contract. He insisted. He had a go for <laughs> yeah, it in every yeah. box. Just make sure he shows him. So that so there is now that focus on on um 
what's been said, how it's been said, and the intent behind what's been said. And no, I'm like you, Fletch. I've known Gary for a very, very long time. He's, he's had some ups, he's had some downs. Let's be brutally honest with that. Yeah. Um, and his opinion, his commentary is delivered on the back of experience, lived experience, being part of one of, if not the best, Nottingham Forest side. So why can't he say what he thinks? And if he thinks the team's been crap, he can say that. It's fine. He can say that. What hypocrisy. What hypocrisy. So the individuals that are criticising him are saying that he can't criticise anybody else, mm. which is completely hypocritical. So you can nick on the Twitter, nice and brave behind your phone keyboard, and go and slag people off. But he can't have what he considers to be a constructive opinion about a passage of play in a football match. Not an individual, a passage of play. Because I know Gary, Gary would never go on there and criticise an individual. He might criticise a passage of play and say that was the wrong ball or that's too negative or they've got to do more of this. But I'm afraid that's the role. And I'm afraid he's been on the football pitch a hell of a lot more than the individuals who are slagging him off and, and using the kind of language that Matt's mentioned earlier. Um, come on. Just, just kind of know your room. Know your room. The fella cares about the club. He's trying to do a job. Get off his case, for God's sake. And do you think it bothers him? Huh? Do you think it bothers him, really? Do you think I get in the car and give a monkeys if I get a bit of criticism on social media about doing my job? Come on. Get a grip. Hmm. I mean, maybe I shouldn't have given such credence to a few comments, but I wanted to raise it. It didn't sit well with me. And like I said, I don't have a problem. Matt, you couldn't give a monkeys, mate. If somebody come, came up to you and said, listen, I watched how you do your work. And they've got a valid point. You'd stand and listen to them all day long. Of course you would. Because mm. they're the people that you're serving, your audience. They're buying subscriptions. But if somebody just wants to go on and start dropping the C-bomb out and stuff like this and tell him to get out of the club and stuff like that, it's not constructive, just nasty. It tells mm. you a lot about the individual that's posting it. If somebody's mm. got a constructive word about the way someone does their job, we will all listen because we've just done that for the last hour on here. We've analysed what people do in their line of work for the last hour. That's what we do. And we've tried to do it in a constructive way. Some people will agree and some people won't. But the way to respond to that is not in the aggressive um, nature that, that, that you described at the start of this question. So I, I think that's, I think it's a boring. I think it's misplaced. I think it's appalling. Yeah, true. Like I say, I don't have an issue with people saying I didn't like the commentary, I didn't agree with this, I thought he was too harsh on so and so. But there's a there's a difference between that and some stuff. There's a line, Matt, and they crossed it. They crossed it, Mm. and I hope those people apologise. Right, a sour note to end on. So sorry about that, but uh, otherwise, I did very much enjoy it. Prutz, we wish you well. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Just another comment. Bottom left looks like a pound shop. Liam Gallagher, which was really funny. (laughs) That's cheering me up, to be fair. <laughs> there you go. I just hope you make it through the day. I just hope you make it through the day. Well, if, yeah. if not, lads, it's been a pleasure. Do you know what? It's been yeah. a pleasure. And if this is my final conversation, so be it. Yeah. Give me three rings tonight to make sure you're still alive. <laughs> yeah. Fletch, thank you very much. Thank you, mate. Pro, uh, Pro, Temps, thank you very much. Great chat, fellas. On to Wednesday. Yes, on to Wednesday and then on to Thursday from our point of view. Greg's going to be on with us to discuss the United game and uh, an expert guest as well to be confirmed. So thanks very much for watching, everyone. Very much appreciated with the comments, the subscribers. Getting us over 5,000 YouTube subscribers is very good. If you liked it, do uh, subscribe, give us a like, etc., etc. And we shall see you on Thursday.